0: Here are your hosts, Chase Palm and Broadcast School has really paid off. And Neil McCrady. I deserve to be on TV.
1: Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast, Chase Palm and Neil McCrady. Neil is in the Clark Ford Studio. I'm out of town for a few days. Here as we close your uh, your week with another podcast, taking subscriber questions from the uh, message board, kind of telling us, telling you a little bit about what we have going on as well and i guess what you have going on by connection in the fall as football season is uh kind of approaching just inside two months media days uh, 10 days away something like that so uh we're, we're getting there slowly but surely it's not there yet but we release at least turned toward that direction this podcast and this podcast every single day by the oxford exxon highway 6 west in oxford download your speed pass plus out Take advantage of it. Use it. Earn points. Save money there with all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi. The Blue Sky location in Oxford, lunch specials, five sixty 2 sides, bread, 32-ounce drink, and more there in Oxford. So stop in, clean convenience store, good gas prices, and more. And again, it was in the Clark Ford studio.
2: I am. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. To, uh, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours it's right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote and the rest is up to you 662-257-1900 guest join us on the rafters music and food hotline it's going to be a beautiful weekend up here at least through saturday and so um rafters on the water out at sardis would be a great place to go enjoy a frozen margarita frozen daiquiri great waterfront views there at rafters on the water and if you can't get out to sardis you can always go to the square rafters on the square in oxford and rafters in new albany
1: so we'll get into questions here in uh, a couple minutes i guess before we do that nothing necessarily uh news the last 48 hours or so right that i'm missing
2: uh not that i'm not that i'm aware of i think there's Chance at a little recruiting news uh, this evening. Ole Miss continuing to recruit pretty well on the defensive line, so we'll be following that a little bit. But, no, nothing big. I mean, you know, we've had this conversation, right? And it frustrates people a little bit because the calendar turns to June and we have the July 4th holiday and everyone goes, it's football season. I mean, the coaches are all out of town. They're vacationing. Players are still working out. It's the off-season program, but it's not quite football season yet. You know, I mean, as much as – we want to be in football season. July the 9th is not football season. It's still three or four weeks until camp. It's still almost two full months until the, the season begins. So, no, not a lot of news at all.
1: Baseball draft a couple days away, um, really not much to uh, to that as well. Preview coming up, I was I was waiting on, frankly, if I'm being fully really honest, a transfer that I thought might be announced to include, but I don't think that's going to be the case in, uh, in the next couple days or whatever. Jackson Job has not had this precipitous fall that uh that makes this any what bit of a story as it uh, as it moves into day 1. I still think he would have to fall out of the top 10 12 picks to really get serious about
2: him The Athletic has him the Athletic has a mock draft out today that has him at 11 going to Washington and they say that's his floor. Yeah.
1: That that that's that getting into the territory but it's not there yet. So unless that floor drops because frankly, major league GMs start acting like NFL GMs and getting terrified of prep right-handers, he's he, he's going to make a lot of money here in a couple days. That's, that's yeah,
2: hard. and if you're the 11th pick in the draft, for example, I just don't know how you justify that decision. I mean, I think about this as a family, as a dad. I mean, I get it. You know, you want your kid to go to college and all of that stuff, but the 11th pick in the draft is going to have his college paid for if things don't work out. And then the part – Chase, that nobody ever talked about because they're always like, well, you know, you could make more money. If he's as good as he thinks he is, and this is critical. We always talk about perception and reality. If he's as good as he thinks he is, and he probably is, he's he's got to be thinking, yeah, and this gets me even closer to my first big league contract. This gets me...
1: Sooner, you know, right?
2: Yeah, so as opposed to committing to, to three years of, of um three years of being in college for sure and before you can go to whatever and people talk about NIL and, and all of that and, and look a guy like him potentially could make some money in NIL but you're not making anywhere near the kind of money you're making as the tenth or eleventh pick in the draft. <laughs> I, I mean you're just not and that's uh, People get mad at me, and they almost go, "You're being negative." I'm not being negative. I mean, if if look, it's his life, and he can decide what he wants to do with it. It's his. It's it, at least we used to be a free country, and and you you get to make those decisions on your own. So, if he decides that he wants to roll those dice and go to college, well, then go to college. But it would be hard for me to imagine a family meeting that ends and okay, there's five million dollars on the table right now. Let's risk it.
1: Yeah, and he's actually uh he's actually a two-year guy should he show up, but point still withstanding, just yeah. in case somebody yells at us over being wrong on that. Um he is currently eighteen years and eleven months old. So he will be inside that twenty-one month twenty-one year old threshold when uh, when the draft in two years comes. But yeah, that doesn't matter. Even if he is eleventh pick, I've got it up in front of me here. They're using two thousand nineteen slot values for this draft because of last year's draft being weird and just compensation not increasing. The number eleven pick uh, was slotted in two thousand nineteen at four point five four million dollars. That was the blue. That was the, the Blue Jays two years ago.
2: Yeah, that's probably about right this time around too. I'd guess. No, in that's the, literally the number they, they're using. The two thousand. They, they are numbers. using. Okay, they're sticking with those numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the one thing that um, so we're talking no about inflation. There, inflation everywhere else, but not in baseball. How about that?
1: Yeah, the number three pick seven point two two one. Number eleven pick four five. Four, five, four, seven. Gotcha. Uh, Keith Law had Gunnar Hoagland falling out of the uh, first round. That would really shock me. I um, mean, I guess something may have happened that I'm not aware of, but I, I don't see that occurring this week. Hopefully not for him. I hope Gunnar makes a lot of money. So we'll see where that uh,
2: – Is Keith Law with from. the athletic? Is that the one that I'm looking at here?
1: I think it is what you're looking at probably. I do think he writes some for the athletic, right?
2: Yeah, this is this is Keith Law. Yeah, it's got – um. Marcelo Meyer going first to Pittsburgh. Kumar, Kumar at
1: two, Check. which is weird, too. I'm not hearing that at all.
2: Yeah. I, don't, I could sit here and lie and tell you that I'm hearing stuff. I haven't done any digging at all into Major League Baseball draft. Leiter going third, which wouldn't surprise me.
1: Keith could be exactly right, and Keith could be saying that Gunner threw one too many pitches at some point when he was 19, and he's falling out of the first round because of it. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure where that uh, where that falls.
2: The, well, we'll one name that a- actually, the one name I actually have heard from just talking to some baseball people that I know is this Brady House, the shortstop from from Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's got him going seven to Kansas City. And I'd heard some buzz just with a handful of baseball people that I do know that um, Texas likes him, that Detroit likes him, that that's the kid who could be way up high in the draft.
1: I was reading yesterday, Kylie uh, McDaniel, who does a bunch of draft stuff for ESPN, he had a, a press call and um i was reading from from that that he uh he believes that there's essentially a a top eight and that out of those top eight there's not like a generational talent that there's an obvious number one but essentially he believes that inside that top eight um all those players will go inside the top eight that no one will fall out of that in his opinion that you basically are just picking best available to your specifications outside that list, and after that, it has a chance to get kind of screwy. But that you're talking about Rocker, Job, Lighter, um, Henry Davis, the catcher at Louisville, and then the four high school shortstops, I believe, are what he has at the top eight. So, just, there's a little bit of a national level what we what we're hearing. But for yeah, well, all this, this thing comes down to whether or not Tim Elko ends up going, and then it comes down to whether or not you get really unlucky with some Juco pitcher signing or whether, you know, you get incredibly lucky with Jackson Job showing up. Those are really the only three storylines. Everything else seems pretty set to me from an Ole Miss perspective as they uh, as they move through. I think Kevin Graham's back. I think Justin Bench is back, and you're just kind of watching Elko from an offensive standpoint. So, um, before we get into the questions, Neil put a post on the message board yesterday, kind of what we're thinking. Um, for the fall. I don't know exactly the day this will start, but kind of when we all get in one place and, and school starts back and we get into the in, into football season, the summer ends a little bit. But um, back to our old schedule for the most part, we're going to do morning shows 8 a.m. I assume is kind of the approximate time every uh, morning, Monday through Thursday. A Thursday night hand raise, guys, which doubles as the Friday podcast. As you're aware, I think that's probably still the plan as of now. Yep. And then um, p- pregame show... Before football games, however, not like last year, not live. Something where you can watch it maybe up to 24 hours in advance. It's just a content item to the site. It's a better produced content item for the site. So a pregame video, pregame, pregame show, however you want to call it for Ole Miss football, but it will be available to you on Friday at some point. And then a postgame show um, like last year. However, I'll be kind of navigating that. I've got Brian, I've got Jeffrey. I've got other people who have help us as well. Neil will call in, but uh, Neil's going to go to the games. We are going to get back into the business of actually being in the stadium. So trying to give you the uh, the best of all worlds, if, if you will, for uh, for the football season as we get close to uh, September 6th.
2: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit, and I know you've gotten a lot of people that have hit you up, and I have too, about, hey, when are you guys going to get back to the mornings? Why would y'all get away from mornings? Well, the easy answer for why we got away from mornings is we had to. Um, when March of 2020 rolled around and the pandemic happened – I only had one Wi-Fi in the house, and it wasn't particularly good. It's the one Wi-Fi that I don't have anymore because it sucked. Um, It was AT&T. It was bad, and uh, so I had a college student in the house all of a sudden because she was no longer in her dorm. I had a high school student in the house, and I had a middle school student in the house, and they were all having to get on Zooms and uh, Power School and all that stuff, and uh, they were having – emotional breakdowns when the internet would knock them off. And uh, very early on, Campbell had, I think it was an e-contest, Chase. It was, I, I remember the moment right. pretty vividly. Uh, Cham- Campbell had an e-contest and she was 10 minutes away from being finished and the internet crashed and uh, she broke down. And I frankly couldn't blame her. And I told Chase, well, we can't do this anymore. We're going to have to go to the afternoons. And then when we had a football season, We didn't know what, we knew there would be no access. We knew there'd be Zoom calls and we knew that they were practicing in the mornings and nobody at Ole Miss really knew what that meant. Did that mean they'd be finished at nine o'clock? Did that mean they'd be finished at 10 o'clock? What did that mean? And so we just did the safe thing and went with one o'clock. And um, now that we have had a little bit of time and I think we have a feel for what that looks like because usually it was no earlier than 11 for our Zoom call couple of times it was 10.30, but most of the time it was 11, 11.30, sometimes as late as noon. So we'll go at 8, and we'll get done. And the one thing that does mean is there will be a show or two in the course of the fall in all likelihood that will be rendered obsolete pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That's just the risk we take. But yeah, I think We're not NPR,
1: fun. so we have less damage of that as most people where it's not just hardcore news per se. Yeah. But, yeah, the – I, the, the, there will be a show where it's hey what about this and then in like two hours that tells you exactly what this is And you go okay well forget it never mind moving on with uh with the day so but no it's good um yeah a lot of people had requested that morning show analytically i completely understand why that makes sense i mean no, and I don't hate it because it gets it out of the way in the mornings i
2: was gonna say frankly we'd rather do it in the mornings um i'd, I'd much rather get that done and then uh, the, the actually, the thought of them of us having a podcast done in the morning and, and the media stuff done in the morning actually is pretty exciting because it frees up your afternoon and allows me to do some stuff in the evenings. Like, that we, you know, we moved SEC football and beyond from Tuesday, Friday mornings to Monday and Thursday late afternoon. So, you know, and, and then all of that frees up. It means for me on Friday, I don't have anything to do, which on the handful of times this year that I've got to travel, it frees up the day to travel.
1: Yeah, so uh, all those things probably easy to, even easier to get guests. I think that wouldn't be a shocker. Kind of in the morning, for people going into their days a little bit. Um, yeah, wouldn't be shocked. See from a live guest standpoint, that's kind of where we're at. So, so we're thinking we'll uh, proceed with that here soon. Tell you exactly when it starts, but that's our plan for uh, football season and really just uh, moving forward. I think barring something we're not anticipating coming, jumping into your uh, questions a little bit. Um, I do not believe there was a soft herbal this week. Is that correct? Mr.
2: Uh, that's true. Uh, Zach's at the beach. He is. Yes. I mean, you know, this is... Slow time. Well, not only that, but this is kind of the only time that you can really get vacations in if you want to take them. So if you don't take them in the summer, you pretty much don't get to take them. And For the most part, people are understanding of that. The, the, the handful of people that don't get it, we're, we're humans too.
1: I... This is, you know, one of those deals where, again, I'm, like, completely not complaining. I'm not digging ditches. Job is fantastic, whatever. But I was talking to a friend of the day and said, you know, the only holiday that we actually get off, and I guess I guess technically you get a couple more and maybe we split up because of the way we cover sports or whatnot, is I think 4th of July is the only holiday I actually have off completely. Because the, the NCAA baseball selection show is every Memorial Day. And then we were Labor Day weekend at least through whatever. I mean, if you're – you're planning something, it's really hard to plan around any semblance of a holiday as far as getting out of town. That's just not really something we do.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, we, I'll, I'll literally be in Startville for Thanksgiving. Um, I mean, that day, driving back that night. Um, and Atlanta on Labor Day. And Atlanta on Labor Day, yeah. And so, which is fine because I think Thanksgiving is a very overrated holiday. But, sure. um, yeah, I mean,
1: baseball is on Easter a lot of days. I mean,
2: yeah, and we get Christmas, but a lot of times, even at Christmas, there's Bowl games, yeah, there's stuff, um, yeah. you know. So yeah, back in the
1: old days, you'd be leaving for Atlanta or New Orleans or Charlotte in a day or two.
2: Well, there was one year wow. when I literally left Mobile for Orlando on Chris. Actually, two years I left Orlando I left Mobile for Orlando on Christmas Day. Did you really? I did. I, one of our first Christmases we were in Birmingham at Laura's parents, and I had to fly out of Birmingham Christmas night to get to Orlando because the paper wanted me there when Auburn got there. And Mentally, I,
1: that sucks.
2: It did. It was, it was depressing. I remember that night landing in Orlando, and I had to find the Rosen Center is where it was, mm-hmm. and I was just not in a very good mood. And I got to the Rosen Center, and there was this giant cheerleaders. And before anybody gets excited, we're not talking about college cheerleaders. Like middle school kids. It's creepy either
1: way now. I mean, but, but it's yeah. creepy
2: as hell either way. But there are some people that are like, oh, college cheerleaders, which is kind of creepy. But you no, know, these were like 13, 14, 15 year old girls. And the hallways were just so freaking loud. And the elevators were packed. And it was a miserable experience. And I was thinking, this is the part of this job that when people think this is a glamorous job, nope. Nope, this is it.
1: There's things where if you're just a straight-up fan, your 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 curiosity is satisfied. You do know things. You you understand some inner workings. But this job has no glamour at all. It is not glamorous in anything. Man, and then two, the other stuff almost poisons you because you become such like this cynic because you know how the sausage is made and every bit of the story tree. You go, okay, fine, whatever. But like the pageantry just runs out of your ears after a certain while. And you're like, okay, that's gone. It's no longer in there. You're just playing a sport, running a business. Here we are.
2: Yeah, it's the people that are like, you guys, are, are you going to go to the Grove? And it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm thrilled for the people that get to go to the Grove.
1: Yeah, and I'd love a cocktail.
2: I'm, I'm <laughs> giddy for you. But no. Yeah. Not just no, but hell no. I'm like, I'm yeah, no. I, why? No. I'm going to get really hot and someone's going to spill something on me.
1: And I know that makes me sound like an 85-year-old man, but that's the way I feel.
2: And then you got to go through the next eight hours of your day like that. Yeah. So, no.
1: Yeah, I can remember the worst one of the – I promise good your you question, but it's just kind of a stupid Friday or whatever – is it was Texas in 13. I had covered a baseball fall scrimmage or at least stopped by to talk to Mike or something, but I went ahead and dressed in – back then we wore shirt and ties to all the games, and I walked – from Swayze to Vaught-Hemingway, and I remember walking in, and I was like, okay, I've definitely been sweating a little bit. But when I went to the bathroom, I had worn a blue shirt, and I was covered in sweat. I mean, I don't mean, like, just, like, armpits. I mean, like, the entire shirt was whatever. And I'm going, I don't know if somebody needs to bring me something. Am I going to look like an idiot for three quarters? Is it going to dry? I mean, I I had a bit of a panic attack as I was in the bathroom going, this isn't going to towel off. I don't know what to do. And I went, okay, that's it. You're, you're not going to the Grove. You're not doing anything. You're going to the stadium, and you're doing that. Because otherwise, you're just screwed, and it is what it is. So.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I get that question all the time. Like, are you going to go to the Grove? And it's like, no. And people almost get offended. Oh, you'll do I, – I did Peter Burns's show once. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, the Grove. And how often do you go to the Grove? And I was like, I don't know. I went like 11 years ago. and And <laughs> – He's offended. And I'm like, yeah, Peter, man. I mean, I, it's a different deal than, you know, I mean, I'm not going to the Grove and and getting trashed and then I got to go, right. Mm -hmm. How's that work?
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Uh, All right. We'll see what we got uh, here. Um, Walnut Rev kicking us off. He says, uh, after the soft verbal question, which we answered again back in school for, uh, for that, Friday night lights the TV show runs circles around the movie prove him wrong. The movie's good. The movie's really good and spoiler alert. I like when something I mean cuz we get so much and I know Neil's going to go no just give me a happy ending. I kind of like they lose. Oh yeah. Like there's some real life to that where no we don't need every single sports movie turning out where they hit the ball over the wall. So there's something about that however Look, I'm a TV show guy as much as I'm a movie guy. If we knock season two out, it's two or three, whichever one it is, two. If we knock season two out, by far the series to me is a better thing than the movie.
2: Yeah, the weird season. Because I remember calling you like, man, this season's like strange. What is what is this?
1: I'm giving them the pass because it was the Rider Strike season, but even so. We've got a murder that just goes away in like two episodes. And the I dude know. like goes to rice for college and all is well. <laughs> I mean, we're setting cars on fire.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, he was a felon. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> they, took the, they took the geek on the show and put a murder in his plot.
2: Yeah, well, and it's a small town and everybody knew he did it. And, and yet everyone within weeks is like, hey, man, what's up? You, let's go have a burger.
1: Well, he's a kicker eventually yeah right?
2: just, yeah well I can't yeah I, Didn't I, he kick? seems like you did
1: There was something with that I haven't re it in forever I'm kind of I'm kind of
2: are you if I watched it I would skip that season
1: yeah there's no redeeming quality at all smash gets hurt it are you Okay, let's do it this way. Are you seasons one and three, or are you seasons four and five? Just pick one. Are you Dylan or, or or East Dylan? What are the better seasons?
2: Uh, I actually think the East Dylan seasons are pretty good. Do you really? Yeah, but I'd probably go with the first ones.
1: The first season is so strong.
2: It's it's that great
1: that it's just really hard to get past that first season when you're doing anything else. Like I, that's.
2: But I liked the East Dylan stuff. I was fine with it.
1: No I mean Michael B Jordan's a brilliant actor. Um that's potentially for a network show. A top 3 pilot, the first episode of Friday Night Lights. You learn about all the characters, you get the star quarterback getting hurt, you get the whole deal. That that is that is a brilliant pilot. It, oh yeah. It's one of the best network pilots I've ever seen. If anybody does not watch Friday Night Lights at this point, sorry, Logan.
2: Yeah, well, come on. You've had plenty of time. Yeah. The Titanic sinks. It's yeah. along those lines.
1: Uh, Texas v. Tennessee Rebel says, uh, I'll keep the profanity out. Why do the Vaught-Hemingway Stadium concessions have to suck so bad? Is it in the school charter? Here's the problem with that. I don't know how to comment because baseball is the only sport where I eat anything um, at a game, and that's pretty sparingly. I couldn't tell you if Ole Miss's football stadium concessions are any better or any worse than any other stadium yeah. in the country. I have no idea. Um,
2: here's the thing. How right? is they're
1: all basically the same? Because it's all run by center plate and Aramark. Like two or three companies run the whole country.
2: Yeah, I, I got, so here's my take. I was in Cincinnati. Okay. And then in Nashville just last week. One night in Cincinnati, Carson and I had intended to go get something after the game, but there was a rain delay. And so we're like, screw it. Are we going to stay for the game or are we going to eat? And he's like, let's, I want to stay for the game. I said, okay, let's go grab something. Because Carson's one of those people that once he gets past a certain point in the hunger scale, he falls off the cliff. Okay. And he's no longer particularly pleasant. And you know it's coming. And I could, we, were, we were approaching that cliff. We weren't there yet, but we were getting there. And I said, let's go get something. And so we did, he got, I just got like a brat and he got a burger and stuff and it wasn't good. It was a major league baseball ballpark. And then in Nashville, we went to the soccer game and before the game, we got chicken tenders.
1: Okay.
2: And both of us were like regretting that decision. So none of it's any good. So the whole, if you're eating at a stadium, and you're expecting anything above a five on the one to 10 culinary scale. That's on you. Now, if, if what you're saying is that Ole Miss should have more options, I don't know, maybe perhaps, I don't know enough about it. I don't know how the that. vendor
1: stuff works, but like the outside vendor, I'll, that's probably how you rate concessions to me. Not the, like the molar plate concession stands.
2: Yeah. But even the outside vendors, it's no good. Usually. Right? I mean, it's it's just it's some variety, I guess. But, no, he got a barbecue sandwich, and it was awful. <laughs> I mean, it looked awful, and I asked him, how was it? He goes, it was food. So I don't know.
1: I'm trying to think of really good ballpark food I've had. I'm having a hard time. I mean, I – The closest I can like, do it. Usually it's, it's like Park and, sausages, barbecue, or something if something does hit pretty well.
2: I was going to say, Miller Park in Milwaukee, the brats and the sausages with the peppers and the onions and all that was really good. I'll give them that. Uh,
1: Doesn't it have to be there?
2: Yeah, but like, I don't know. I mean, if you're getting barbecue nachos, they're the same thing pretty much everywhere, right? I mean, especially at a stadium setting. I've, I've I'm trying to think if there's ever been any place I've been where I was like, wow, this is really good for a ballpark. There's a couple places In San Francisco wasn't bad. Uh, Was it Oracle Park? Is that what they call it now?
1: That is what they call it, yeah.
2: Um, They had some pretty good options that were actually pretty good the the couple times that I've been. Um, I went to Nationals Park, and and, uh, I had the club pass where I could go back in the club area. And they had some pretty good selections back there. Yeah, but I'm not rating that. That's not. That's that's not, not I was going to say no that's fair. not concession food. Yeah. So, yeah, I just you know, I just think if you're going into a stadium, no matter whether it's Vaught Hemingway or Wrigley Field or anywhere in between, you're getting concession food, and it's going to taste like concession food. And I don't even if they throw a whole bunch of different options at you, I just don't know that you're going to be wowed by it.
1: Is Dodger dogs at Dodger Stadium any better than hot dogs somewhere else?
2: I've never had one, so I don't know. I Probably not.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. I, here's the problem. I don't even like know what to tell people to get. I'm, not, I'm like, I, I will typically just get a hamburger or a smoked sausage dog and call it a day. Those can't be screwed up that much for the most part.
2: No, the hamburger's the safest bet.
1: Unless it's the worst thing on the menu. And it's like soybeans or something.
2: Yeah, which is possible. And Carson got one of those in Cincinnati that that's what it looked like.
1: Yeah. So, you guys let us know. Let us know when you go on the road what, what's, uh, what, what everybody's got, where the good places are. Um, let's see. Wildest Ole Miss football team you've ever covered. Got to be 08 or 15, right? Wildest. Ooh. I mean, I mean 11 in its own way, but it just sucked. Um
2: yeah, I'm trying to think. Fifteen. Which was the year that Denzel, Kim was on the roof of the of the house, and then Robert was that fifteen? Robert didn't play in the bowl game because he jumped out of the window.
1: I think that in was, Atlanta wasn't
2: it. That was fifteen, right?
1: That wasn't Peach Bowl. That was Sugar Bowl, right?
2: That was Sugar Bowl. Okay. I think that was pretty freaking wild you know what, and and credit to Hugh Freeze here, seriously, mm-hmm. in both of those stories, especially the Denzel one, if I recall correctly, Chase, we broke that part with Denzel. We knew about Denzel before anybody else did.
1: We did, yes. Correct.
2: And I texted Freeze about it. And to his everlasting credit, and I mean this sincerely, and Hugh and I certainly had our share of differences, he called me. And right off the bat said, I know I can't ask you to go off the record. Can I give you some background first? And I said, yeah, but then we got to go on the record. And he said, no, I know. And to his credit, he did. He, he gave me background that I think was somewhere between 95 and 100% accurate. Yeah, I knew too. And, and then he answered questions as best he could. A, a, a lot of credit goes to him for that because a lot of coaches would have blown that off. And then the deal when Robert, with that happened in Atlanta, he was fatigued with Kim Dichy stuff by then. He mm-hmm. was. He was frustrated with it. But to his credit that day, he took calls and handled those questions and answered them to the best of his ability, knowing that it was not the greatest look in the world for his program.
1: I'll tell you, I mean, we've covered some sad stuff. I mean, we've covered, I mean, nothing compares to a death, like a Benny Abram or something like that. But from any kind of news story, I don't know if I've ever just been depressed and sad for a person more than Denzel in that whole story. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that, that was the only feeling was you just, it took the air out of everything and was like.
2: You know, it's funny you say that because I remember saying to him to freeze, I'm sorry that I'm even bugging you about this, but I'm doing my job. And he was like, no, no, I get it. I I understand. And he's like, what do you, what what have you heard? And I told him, and that's when he said, can we go on background? And he goes, I know I can't, we can't go off the record, but can we go on background? I'll, I'll never forget that part. I'll give him a ton of credit. It actually showed how much he had grown up from a media standpoint. Cause I don't think when he first got to Ole Miss, he knew the difference between background and off the record. And he knew by then. And, um, yeah, that was that was depressing, because I think most of us that covered that program in those years, we really liked Denzel Kimbichi. Like in 2012, Denzel Kimbichi was one of the bright spots of a of an interesting team. You know, I mean, like they weren't very good. He uh, was
1: one of the three most fun players on that team.
2: Yeah, it was him and and, uh, and Bo, I guess. Bo and who?
1: I mean, like Moncrief, probably
2: yeah yeah i mean that was kind of the team you know and Hugh was kind of fun to cover that year and they were spunky and but they weren't particularly good and 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 denzel was denzel was one of the better players and, and he was great with us and yeah just to watch it deteriorate the way that he did and even the way that he handled all the attention that his brother got when his brother was the number one ranked player in the country and all that stuff um But, yeah, that was a pretty wild season. I don't know that 08 was wild. 08 was an interesting study in psychology. And then 11 was just a season of, oh, my God.
1: You know, 08, everybody talks about, like, what that team could have done. And I get it. We're not going to stay on this very long. And they're right. But – With all due respect, Houston did a pretty damn good job of teaching that team how to win. And early on, they just didn't know how. So there was no way to act like you were going to go into that 08 season at the beginning with like this max efficiency of how to max out that schedule. It wasn't possible.
2: It's a great point because, you know, we sometimes will tell people when they're like, oh, I don't understand why this. And you'll sometimes say, well, they're not robots. They're not football robots. They're people. They're human. That's exhibit A, your honor. Because if that team were a team of football robots where everybody maxed out his own personal capabilities. I mean, they're a national title contender because they had all the pieces to be really, really good. But they were human. And all of those human flaws, and they didn't have a lot of confidence, and they didn't really believe in themselves, and they didn't know how to win, and they didn't think they were going to win. They were so used to losing. And then when they lost, they anticipated getting – flogged by the coaching staff. And that didn't happen. I mean, I was talking about 08 just yesterday. With, I was doing an interview with Ryan Brown on his show. And we were talking about, you know, where Kiffin is in comparison to, to uh, Houston Nutt at his apex at Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze at his apex at Ole Miss. And I was like, no, no, Lane's not there yet at all. Nowhere close to that. Because we were talking about that 08 team. I said, you know, people forget that team lost at home to Vanderbilt. Uh, an average Vanderbilt team. Mm -hmm, Then went to Florida, beat Tim Tebow and the Gators, and then turned around and lost to South Carolina at home. Mm -hmm. And then lost a very close game at at Alabama. 30-24,
1: I think.
2: Yeah, with the ball. And then they go to Arkansas and damn near choke it away in this super emotional game. And then after that, they were one of the best three or four teams in the country. Mm -hmm. Because once they got over that mental hurdle of, I mean, I, and I do think it happened in Fayetteville that day with, oh, my God, we won. They're we the tried team. to lose, and we won, and now no one can beat us.
1: Look, 20 out of 21 times, this won't matter. And it probably wouldn't have even mattered then. But they're the poster child of that extended playoff because they would have been a bitch in a playoff.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. So, you know. I mean, the, the two what-ifs are – in in my time covering Ole Miss, or that '08 team, what if they'd had a little bit more time? You know, what if they'd beaten Vanderbilt? You know, what if they'd held on and beat South Carolina because they that confidence was coming. And then the obvious one, and hey, uh, trigger trigger alert, everyone.
1: Yeah, the fourth and twenty-five.
2: The fourth and twenty-five. If that goes any other way, what happens to that team? Because I'm. A part of me thinks oh they go play for the whole thing and, and and who knows man maybe win it and a part of me thinks they get super tight and they go to start and get beat yeah. i don't know which would have happened we'll never know i think they would have won and and gone on and who knows but there's a little part of me in the back that goes boy they they would have gotten super tight
1: that fifteen team too. That's the only one of Freeze's years that isn't affected by NCAA sanctions from a like forfeited wins or anything standpoint. That one stands all the way on its own. Yeah. So you wouldn't even run into anything later on. Had whatever, but.
2: Anyway. And you wonder how good that team would have been had Tunsil been there from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you know, but listen, you have to punish a pasta dinner. You just do. Oh,
1: well, it's up on the couch.
2: I mean, he ate pasta.
1: You ate pasta. Probably ate a lot of pasta.
2: I mean, it probably did. I mean, thing. I mean, what what does a bag of pasta cost? I mean, three I mean, dollars. you just can't do that.
1: I bet you fixed the salad too.
2: You know what? And I'm I'm gonna guess. I'm just gonna guess. They had those damn garlic sticks.
1: You like the sticks?
2: I like the I like the bread personally.
1: You Like the bread, okay.
2: Now I'm I'm not gonna, like we had pasta last night, and to show you, we're just. We we didn't have any bread at all, and it was whole wheat pasta, and it was what turkey meat. Bread? It was turkey meatballs. We did the whole wheat pasta though. Like I, I won't eat the refined. Yeah, sure. Pasta. I get
1: it.
2: So theirs was theirs was probably they probably had a big thing of ragu and God only knows what was in there. Ground yeah. beef. I, I mean, it just I bet it was just chock full of money. Just
1: cost at least six bucks.
2: Oh, it would have cost – I mean, for him to make that himself, it would have been 5 $6. I mean, I yeah.
1: – yeah, unbelievable. That's uh, just,
2: just I'll tell you that.
1: Ten or so days away from the C-media days, who would you guess would be the three Ole Miss, player, Ole Miss players, Ole Miss takes, Corral, Ely, and Momo, question mark? Yeah, that's probably the three I would guess, honestly. Yeah, sure. I'm
2: trying to think, is there anybody else that would even make sense that they could take?
1: I mean, I wouldn't be completely blown away if they took Ben Brown. Yeah. Um, I think Momo and Corral are two free spaces.
2: And then, think Braylon?
1: Good. Good.
2: The guy you should take is Ely.
1: I oh, think the thinking, media
2: wants to talk to, and and, and Jayon's good with media.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, no. Ely's fantastic. Um, Corral and Ely are obvious ones if we're just taking who we want to talk to. And then I don't have a problem with Sonogo. I would at least contemplate Otis Reese.
2: Oh, yeah. I and think, he's pretty good with media, too.
1: Yeah, Otis actually, as I'm talking, I think that's my third pick if I was taking who I want to take. I'd have no problem with that. Uh, let's see. For Chase, who would you pair if you were in charge of the match? How do you think they keep going? Or do you think they keep going to the Phil Brady combo? I, I, look, I'll be honest. I watched zero of the one this week. Um, if I'm really bored, I'll go back and find it at some point while I'm just sitting on the couch. I don't have a problem with them. They're interesting. They obviously make money. They give money to charity, and there's nothing else on television in the time slots that they're picking. Barkley's great as the course commentator or whatever you want to call him. Feels funny enough. They, they're fine. Here's the problem. Make them about mass marketing and just getting people to watch. Don't make them for people like me who are obsessed with golf. Like, I'm not a good person to, 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 to do this because putting two amateurs with two professionals golf is freaking hard and your problems are if you're trying to actually put a golf match together amateurs are not consistent they're incredibly volatile so these amateurs might shoot 15 spots different or 15 shots differently on one day to another and then you've got a route potentially i mean forget the golf just make it entertaining find the four best personalities you can find put them on the course and hope that they play decent golf because like somebody put the best board on the message when they're right look if you're just trying to do hey, we really want to put great golf out there. Okay, pair Spieth and Tony Romo with a couple other people and play golf. But Romo's really good. I mean, you're going to have a route on your hands unless you find another amateur right there to compete against him. So make, make it for the casual fan. Make it for the sports fan. Don't make it for the golf fan. That, that's my, my thing. And make the scoring as easily as possible. Don't have some complicated format that only golfers understand on how it, how it operates.
2: So, agreed okay. completely. Because that's Frankly, the kind of stuff but, that I'll watch. But I, but I want it to be – I just want to be entertained.
1: The modified alternate shot is fine. I have no problem with that. That's what they're doing right now um, for quick primer, Neil. Both people hit the drives. They pick the best drive, and then they alternate hitting the rest of the hole. They swap out back and forth.
2: Gotcha. For two players. I, don't have, I don't have a problem with that.
1: I would just play a straight scramble if I'm honest. Let them both hit every time. It's easy. Everybody understands a hit and giggle, beer scramble, and, and do that. It's not about the golf. Who cares? Like, right.
2: it's just, no, mic up the players and let them talk. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, feels funny. Bryson's weird probably to the average sports fan. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Do you think the 2022 quarterback is on our roster currently? Um, what is this staff and your personal feelings of Altmyer and Kincaid Dent? All
2: right, let's tease that because I've got some thoughts on that uh let we'll me pay a couple bills here we're brought I to i was by, gonna
1: just insert by the way unless you oh. need something differently
2: just give uh, me a, no, I, well i do have some different ones okay
1: well hit those and i'll fill in the rest of them.
2: okay, okay. i right, got it uh we're brought to you by automation and control systems llc they're owned by clay mcnutt in baldwin mississippi established in 2013 acs is a complete electrical control systems solution provider and a rockwell automation recognized system integrator ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL 508A panel shop. They can custom tailor software packages, custom design electrical control panel solutions, and much more. It's a full-service AutoCAD services provider and a full-service fiber optic cabling solution provider. So if you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or a large horsepower VFD specialist, uh, ACS has you covered. They can service and install Rockwell Automation, Allen-Bradley, Siemens, ABB, Square D, and many other manufacturers. To get in touch with them, go to acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Football season right around the corner with the Oxford Park Commission as well, and they've added two new age groups to their flag football lineup for the fall. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 14. The cost is $50 per player. Registration will begin on Monday, July the 12th. So I guess that's this coming Monday. It's hard to believe. OxfordParkCommission.com. And don't forget, uh, don't miss signing up uh, your little slugger for fall baseball with the Oxford Park Commission. Leagues for ages 6 to 15. The season will run from September 15th through October 20th at M Trade Park, and the cost is uh, $40 per player. The deadline to register is July the 25th. And we're brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. They service the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates. They utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for their clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, acquisition, and disposition of income, producing assets, development, and occupancy solution for landlords. Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and hard work. So for all your commercial real estate needs, please give Sam and BB a call at uh, 601-586-3220. And we're brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they're uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom-fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi, one-size-fits-one at bluedeltagenes.com. Baseball season's wrapped up. You may not find yourself in Oxford for a few months, but there's no reason to delay your new Blue Delta jeans. Uh, go to bluedeltagenes.com and get measured and design your newest jeans in just a couple of minutes. And Blue Delta will make sure you're looking good for the first kick of football season in September. Podcast listeners can get 10% off your purchase using the code Rebel Grove at bluedeltagenes.com or in the Oxford studio it's a great time of year to get a pair of Blue Delta's Cotton Genos in the works, so don't miss out. Uh,
1: DKLS3 asking, any new cocktails this summer? Um,
2: well, we didn't answer the 22 quarterback. Oh,
1: sorry, yeah, my fault. Go ahead.
2: No, you're okay. So, obviously, the, 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 the school of thought is that Matt Corral will, will go pro after this season. I think most people expect that if Matt has the season that I anticipate he'll have that. I think most people anticipate he'll have he,
1: somebody he, from the athletic had him a top three quarterback heading into the season as it pertains to the NFL draft next year.
2: Yeah. That means you're in the first round and you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler are the other two.
2: Okay. It's a pretty elite company. Um, so that leaves you with the guys that are on the roster today. It's Kincaid Dent, Luke Altmyer, I think that's it unless you want to go down the plumly hole and i don't um so the question is do you think one of those two guys is the quarterback in 2022 or do you think that uh, lane kiffin who obviously is very attractive to quarterbacks do you think that lane kiffin jumps into the transfer portal and grabs a big name
1: if you're Ole Miss, you want it to at least be a possibility that one of those two guys develops enough this season to take hold. Now, look, I don't think Lane Kiffin would shy away from the transfer portal at all if that is something that is that is possible and out there. I mean, I think that you know, if you you get you get that situation, that would that would that would 100 be it. But. My hunch is that it's one of the two on campus for some reason. I don't even know why I think that necessarily, but if you just told me gun to head, you've got to make a pick, I think I think they hope that Altmaier takes a big jump in the next year, and you've got Kincaid who continues to, frankly, kind of impress under the radar. Like Nobody really says much about him, but people seem pretty pleased on what he's done at this point on campus as far as just kind of being a solid development guy as things have moved forward the last two couple of years.
2: Yeah, people get hung up on uh, the Grove Bowl with Kincaid and I'm I I, it's a spring football game that's controlled (laughs) and everybody just wants to get out of it I thought Kincaid had some good scrimmages um and then I know they're super high on Altmaier. but yeah this is a all eyes are on corral but a lot of eyes inside the program will be on those two guys in the in the fall it kind of feels like a 20 what year was that chase 2014 when Bo, well,
1: for the 2015
2: season. Yeah, well, well it was referring oh, to – the, when re, they were
1: – oh, well, you mean Buchanan and Kincaid, yes. Bo
2: was 14. the quarterback.
1: Yeah, 14.
2: And yet there were the two guys that, you know, they thought, hey, this is the future. And there was no well, doubt it, who the – He was
1: probably going to be one of those two dudes until the Arkansas thing happened.
2: Yeah. It was practice days between the loss at Arkansas and the game against Mississippi State and where –
1: doesn't mess his ankle up one of those two guys is probably the quarterback and chad kelly's probably played quarterback for virginia tech and in india or indiana in
2: 2015 <laughs> boy that was that's rewriting some history
1: alternate reality here son we're just <laughs> doing it all around
2: can you imagine I mean. <laughs> I mean people don't believe this but hugh was not going to take chad kelly until he had to take him. And he had to. Oh. I mean, I think he had to before that. I remember going down to that championship game in Biloxi. Is that where it was? Yeah, it was uh, the thing. Yeah, in, in December. And I remember calling you on the way, because I left there to go to Mobile, I guess. And um, I called you. I was like, is this even a debate? Like, are they are they seriously even contemplating not offering this kid? He was the deal that day in, in Biloxi. He tore I can't remember who they played or some team uh, from
1: the military because it was a Keem Judge team.
2: Oh yes, I guess you're right. They, well he destroyed them.
1: Yeah, it was a rout. East was very, very much in the football business at that at that point of the uh
2: he was impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh let's see. moving down, pushing. I see a second ago accidentally. Any new uh any new cocktails this summer? Um, I'm a creature of habit. I mean, summer, the summer—the only thing that changes is probably more cocktails versus neat or on the rocks from a bourbon standpoint. And then um, I'll go into this meal, and I've talked about a lot—just some 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 daiquiris that are made correctly. And that, that's really it. I'm I'm not branching out too much. I mean, you could you could get me into a fruity beer a little bit, whereas I'm not a beer person. But I'm not, I'm not going to just go down the go down the recipe book just because it's summer. I'll stick with what I know works.
2: So I went to St. Leo, Laura and I went to St. Leo and I ordered a, a Sazerac mm-hmm. and I really watched how Joe made it, okay. really paid attention and I picked up a couple of things okay. and since then I've kind of gotten into those and mine aren't as good as his, don't get me wrong.
1: It's a hard drink to make.
2: But mine are better than they used to be and they're actually fairly good. Like his are a 10 on a one to 10. Mine are probably in the seven point three range, which I is still, still pretty, that. still pretty good. Yeah, it's a good drink.
1: Yeah, they're really hard to make. I'm, I'm, I'm so in my head about them at this point that I'm just not even sure what to do.
2: Well, so you, you put the absinthe in the glass
1: and rinse it, yeah. And
2: but you, what he did was he put ice in the glass with the absinthe. Okay. And stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred. So you got a like, a, for lack of a better word, a film. Sure. And then he, and on the other part, he did the bourbon and the simple syrup and the bitters with the ice and stirred and stirred and stirred. And so he drained the one glass and then strained into the other. So I've, I've done it that way and it's, it's really good. And that does help. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, and then you take the, the lemon peel, express, express it. Do you think that
1: makes a big difference?
2: It sure, looks like it.
0: Okay, fair.
2: No, you know, I mean it looks pretty, and it makes you look like you know what you're doing, and certainly it makes it look like you're trying to do it the right way.
1: Yeah. Six one five rev Seeing if it's been discussed in other threads. If you're in charge of Hemingway, the next phase of renovation, what would you uh, you do? It says, do you tear it down and start over, or try to rework something to look toward the north side? Here's the problem: is it's, it's so dang expensive, too, especially right now with building costs. Um,
2: I tear down the west side completely. I knock it it down and I redo it. I build bigger concourses. I make it more uniform looking with the south end zone. You're never going to make it look what you want it to look like without just blowing the whole thing up and starting over. And I don't think that's a financial possibility at this point.
1: In a perfect world, you put in a bunch of stadium seats, like in a baseball thing, make it make it easy, and then just put a ton of premium seating in. Yes. In a
2: perfect world. Yeah. In a perfect world, you start over. Yeah, but that's built. You build a modern stadium, but that would be what five hundred million dollars.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but yeah.
2: I don't, I don't know where you get that.
1: Uh, somebody asking about the uh, question we have every year. If you get a season long stats for one player on each side of the ball, are you taking? I mean, I need corral's interceptions.
2: I was gonna I was gonna say, give me Matt Corral stats and I'm gonna tell you a lot about how this went.
1: I mean, if he has some year where it's thirty nine and six, then they're cooking with gas. And
2: then I might want a safety. Give me his stats. Is he is he making a hundred tackles? Because if it is, they got ran on a lot. Like Otis Reese. Maybe. Someone who's not going to be up in the box a lot. I want to know how many times a safety is having to make tackles 10 yards down the field. If you told me I couldn't have Corral, because that, that's the easiest answer. I might want Jerry and Ely stats. I get, to look at, I get to look at receptions. And if I can't have him, I want to see Braylon's stats because if his numbers his receivings are, are kind of down, I'm going to guess he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Because I think if Braylon can stay healthy, he's going to have a huge number. Yeah, he's a huge season. And I just think they
1: need Drummond to be helpful. Whatever that yeah. was.
2: Drummond, Mingo, somebody at the of spot. Yeah, it's just uh, Braylon oh. Brown as the season goes on. They, they, they need production from people. Look, you got to replace a lot of I mean duh, but Elijah Moore's numbers last year are eye popping. Mm-hmm. Throw in the fact that he did that in eight games. It's even more eye popping.
1: H man 478 let's let's go to Professor Neil for this one says I know you've experienced covering SC media days. my younger sister's covering them for the first time for a school newspaper. Any advice for someone covering a sports press conference for the first time?
2: Uh, listen so that you don't ask a question that's already been asked. Listen so that you can ask a follow-up question on something that did get asked that didn't get sufficiently answered or that could lead to another thing. And then don't be intimidated just because you're young. It doesn't mean that you don't have a right to ask questions. You absolutely do. And try not to ask questions that can be answered with one word.
1: listening is it because there's so many times that you're going to pick up the follow-up or either something's already been answered if you just kind of pay attention because I mean look everybody does it to some extent you get off into your own little world you know kind of what you're asking and you're half listening you miss some stuff there's no doubt about that including including one former beat writer who had a legal pad in front of him with all the questions on it (laughs) and I think it must have been a quota system or something because he had to ask down that entire legal pad no matter if those questions had been asked or not prior to that. (laughs)
2: Yep.
1: It Was was it Freeze that would tell him he's already answered, or was it Matt? Which one? It was either year one of Matt or Freeze, and I don't remember which
2: one. It was Freeze. Okay. You know what's funny is Matt, in the interim year, had had enough of us. <laughs> and then When Matt got the gig, he kind of re- hit the reset button, <laughs> and he, he was nicer to everybody. In that interim year, there was a point where I think he realized, hey, I'm not getting this, and I'm done. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. He, he lost patience dude. Bit, yeah, you know, for sure. He 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 went from being the interim to being the guy, and he went to being a a CFO, and you know, and not to get on the Luke thing. In so, because I just saw where he got a big extension at Georgia, and I'm happy for him and his family in so many ways. It remains so unfair to him that Ole Miss did that. Mm -hmm. took the interim tag off and made him the head coach. In so many ways, that's unfair to him. He would have Uh, been so much better served getting a Sunbelt job from that point.
1: How hard is it to quit being a fanatic of a pro team? Could you really quit being a cubby? It it would be incredibly hard for me because we don't have a college team, per se. You know what I mean? Like, so – it, I mean, it's my only semblance of fandom is of my pro team. If I drop that, I'm I'm not caring about any sports. I almost need one or two pretty strong pro team connections to even kind of be locked into the to, to the entire world of athletics, if you will.
2: I'm really frustrated with the Cubs right now. Okay. Um, part of it is I I'm I I was just on a trip with a 14 year old boy whose favorite players, in order, of Cubs, Javier Baez. Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, and U Darvish. So they're going to trade Javi. They gave away Schwarber for nothing, and he's an all-star. They traded Darvish for a collection of rocks. He's an all-star. And they didn't re-sign Castellanos when he wanted to sign with them, and now he's an all-star. And we just got through watching Castellanos play. And Carson kept saying, it's kind of hard to cheer for a team that doesn't seem to care. I'm with him. I get it. So I don't, how hard is it for, for me at my age? Probably as much as I'm, I'm, I'm going to try a little bit, I think it's probably tough. Although I will tell you this, Chase, this year I have watched less Cubs baseball than I have at any point in my life. I'm
1: yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're almost in the middle of July. How much are you watching? None. Are you really
2: not? None. Um, I mean, I joke about this a little bit, but frankly, like watching the Reds and the Padres play, those two teams are so much more fun than the Cubs. The Cubs are not a fun team to watch. Um, those teams are fun to watch. Good young players. They, they've put together a team that makes some cohesive sense. Um. The Cubs don't. You 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 can't help but wonder if the, when the Cubs go cheap, and their prices are so high, you have to wonder like, what are you doing? So the, this will be a pretty critical off season coming up because I'm I'm not willing. I don't think to accept in 2021 with all of the revenue streams that they have. I don't know that I'm completely willing to accept a complete rebuild at this point.
1: Did you see the uh, um? The at bat with Otani and the dude from the Yankees, where he had the three different deliveries during the course of the at bat.
2: Where Otani did?
1: No, no, no. The guy pitching against him, like the journeyman reliever from the Yankees.
2: Oh, where he did the thing where he pa- yeah. paused and, and Otani kind of laughed.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Down yeah. and down and down and down.
2: Yeah.
1: I got a kick out of that. And then the uh, the Rays throwing Phillips for the inning. Um,
2: Phillips was great.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, what? I, I was almost getting annoyed though. Anybody hadn't seen it? Whatever, you can go find it. Like, He throws 94 on the first pitch. Like, let me see it again. I mean, I want to. Like, is that is that real? We doing that? Like, and then that was the only fastball the entire inning.
2: Everything else was in the 40s or 50s. He goes from a 94 mile an hour fastball to a 47 (laughs) mile an hour curve. But he's great. You did wonder, like, when he threw the 94 mile an hour heater. You're like, whoa.
1: Well, it shows you, hey, you know what, they were all pretty athletic. They're all okay. I mean, uh, yeah, he he probably pitched in high school. I'm just going to give it a shot and say he pitched in high school.
2: Yeah, I'm going to guess that uh, Brett Phillips, when he was pitching in the 11- and 12-year-old league and wherever (laughs) he was from, was the best pitcher in the league. (laughs) (laughs) And the best hitter and the best shortstop, even though he was left-handed.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, let's
2: see what we got. I will say this while you're searching for a question. Yeah. This Otani, Otani season and the how little national pub it's getting is as indicative of baseball's fall as a mainstream sport as anything. Because, Chase, if this had happened, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due, Austin Barber pointed this out on Twitter the other day. Austin's a big baseball guy. I think I saw if Shohei Otani was doing this in the 1980s when I was a kid, this would be the cover of every magazine in our country. He would be daily leading sports center. It would, it would, it would preempt the NBA finals. Baseball was that big then. It's not now. Yeah,
1: I think the tweet us all said it would literally be on the national news.
2: Oh, it would be, yeah, NBC Nightly News, it would be in the opening block. Mm -hmm. He's maybe having the best season in the history of the game, and no one's talking about it.
1: I don't know this answer. I'll ask uh, Keith or somebody. Since Because of the NIL, do we expect Ole Miss to start selling player jerseys? I don't think Ole Miss can facilitate it in any way, so I'm pretty sure that answer is no. Um, I don't think they can do that.
2: I think you're right.
1: Yeah, I don't think that can be any type of marketing through the university. Um, At the end of Field of Dreams, does John know that Ray is his son? I know Ray calls him dad, but the previous dialogue and whatnot makes it questionable as if John actually knew Ray was his son.
2: I think he knew.
1: I thought so, too. Now, again, I'm not an expert on this film, but I thought so.
2: It's the only part of the film that has any real redeeming value.
1: And we're not even sure if both recognize the other. So, great.
2: Well, Costner knew that was his dad. Which was the point? Because he, he refers to – he almost slips and says, this is my – because this is John, to his daughter. He's introducing his daughter to John.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, yeah, goes,
2: yeah. he goes, Annie, this is my is – is that the kid's name? Yeah, I think it is Annie. This is my – dad. this is John.
1: Yeah.
2: And the wife seemed to know that it was, that was his dad. Cause she says it's so good to finally meet
1: you. I think. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. So she knew. Okay. Then when they do throw to each other, if you can get through that part without kind of getting a lump in your throat, you're, you're, you're pretty tough.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Um, really a couple of NIL things we'll, we'll, we'll hit on, we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about those with people who know much more about it than we do. Kind of uh kind of last thing here from Irish rib says, what colleagues do you look forward to running into and catching up with in Birmingham? It's the media days. He, he asked the converse question as well, but we can not talk crap about people or if you'd like, either way, you can, uh, you can go ahead.
2: I don't know. I mean, not many. I mean, like I look forward to seeing Ryan Brown and Jim Dunaway and some of those guys, um, I like. I always like running into Mike Griffith. Um, that's about it. I'm not gonna be, I like Andy Staples. And a
1: long list here. Let me tell you. Uh-huh. If I
2: see Mark Schlabach, I'll be glad to see Mark again. Um, but not many guys. I don't. That's typically not my crowd.
1: When did the Olympics start? August. Are we still that way, that far away?
2: I don't know okay
1: i was actually saying this with no condescension for once i, w- I didn't know if 40 would be there because he would already be in tokyo with his daughter
2: oh that's a good point
1: yeah
2: are they allowing family and stuff
1: yeah i are not allowing fans so i have no idea i'm not sure
2: How? i, I mean know. seriously this is, this is about pat 40 the, the person not the sports writer how I want horrible to- how horrible would that be think of how many swim meets that he and his family have attended over the years. Cause she's, she's an Olympic swimmer. Yes. So think of how many swim meets they must've attended. How many hours of sitting in a swim gym, natatorium or whatever for just hours upon hours upon hours, smelling chlorine. And then your daughter makes the Olympic team and you can't be there to watch the absolute pinnacle of her sports life?
1: Yeah, she's going to swim a relay for Team USA in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. His – no matter what you think of him as a journalist, his story on her making it was incredibly well done in Sports Illustrated. Anybody should look it up.
2: Oh, I've not it. seen that. I'll have to pull it up.
1: It was the, the thing she has gone through over the last year, everything from – positive COVIDs to mental depression, do all sorts of stuff. He wrote about all of it. It's incredibly well done. It's Sports Illustrated. Um, so it's a, it, it's worth seeing there. But
2: Well, he's a hell of a writer. He's a very talented journalist.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so one of the cool stories out of the Olympics there, um, two different Oxford residents in the Olympics um, also. Oh, yeah, that's
2: right. Two, two chargers.
1: Yep, that is, uh, that is correct. So that's pretty cool. Brittany Reese back for, I think, her fourth Olympics by this point.
2: Sam has a chance to get gold this time.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been a top three outdoor pole vaulter in the world for a while now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. I think that uh, that, that is right. So,
2: anyway. He's the nicest. He is. Yeah. <laughs> the single nicest, like, super elite athlete I think I've ever met. I mean, you would never, if you just talked to him, you would never know that, oh yeah, he's, he's a gold medal kind of guy. Yeah. He doesn't
1: have the gene that is typically found. (laughs) No,
2: None of the just absolute jerk gene that most elite athletes at least possess to some degree.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Another podcast on Monday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Weather looks good there in the uh, Oxford area and then we'll uh, get back to our normal schedule. And be with you for uh, for a while moving forward. So I uh, appreciate all the people who offered questions up to that. Again, stay safe, take care, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.